Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey everybody, how's everybody doing today? I hope you said, well, I know it's only Tuesday, it kind of sucks, but you know what? It's a good day already. Uh, my name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team. Based out of Sacramento, California, we are 45 strong up and down the state, which means if you have a paranormal issue or you think you might have one, we can get to you. It might take us a, a couple of days, but uh, California is huge. But uh, we can get to you. And, and, and in the case that we can't get out there, we have uh, mediums on staff that can call you and, and do consultations with you to make sure that you're getting what you need, you know, and to calm things down before before we do get out there. Anyway, welcome to the show. We got a great guest tonight, Andrea Message, and uh, we're gonna. She's got a nice book out. We're also gonna be talking about her team, her her, her, uh, her paranormal investigation team, and uh, techniques and all that stuff, and her adventures. Something I want to say is I don't talk about this very often. Well, I'll never talk about it on the show, but. I used to be a sports editor. You know, like I, like I tell you guys, I was a journalist, photojournalist by trade. And I used to be a sports editor. And granted that I'm biased about the Oakland days. I have been since I was a kid. I loved, I've loved them since I, was, since, since, since I could barely walk. But this whole stadium deal that they were trying to do in Vegas, and I say were, really sucked. I mean, honestly, it totally, really sucked. In that... They were so close with Oakland to get a deal on that stadium. You know, you know the Oakland bill. They, they, they were so close. And then they turned around and tried to use Ve and, and decided to use Oakland against Vegas for leverage. Well, today, the Vegas legislature decided not to bring the, uh, pr the proposition to a, you know, to, to a vote today because they were asking for like 300, more than 350 million in taxpayer dollars for the stadium. And I'm so proud of the le the, the Vegas le you know people, the legislature, because incredible, absolutely incredible. What's going on here? Okay, I had something that didn't upload. Anyway, um, I'm so proud of the Vegas, le you know, of the, of the people in Vegas. The thing stank. The thing stank from the get go. You know, bad enough that he totally like 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 shoved it up at, o at Oakland, at the city of Oakland, but. He tanked the team. He tanked the team two years in a row, and this year is the worst year. So if you're going to go out and sell something, and this is me, you know, I mean, maybe it's just me, okay? If you're going to go to some other town and ask for that kind of money and try to sell something like your baseball team to the people of that town, why would you go in with a team that's tanking and say, hey, put all this money in and I'll, I'll give you a good team? It doesn't make any sense. That's not If I was a lawmaker, that's not an incentive for me to – put money into a team, right? You know, even though Oakland was willing because they, they've been in Oakland for like, what, 30 years? I don't know. But, I mean, that would be no incentive at all to vote. And I guess that's what they're figuring out is that there's other things more important like education and, you know, food for people and all this other stuff in, in, in Las Vegas. So they'd rather not deal with it. So there's not going to be, there's not going to be a vote today at the special session and they're not going to be scheduled to vote. So it's going to be interesting to see. It's, it's kind of like a, checkmate thing going on in sacramento where i live 
has two sites available and they've already um, said that they, they would like to have them. So, I mean, that's fine. Cause you know, it's like if everybody locally is aware of what this guy's done, the owner of the team has done and, or what he hasn't done because he just doesn't want to feel a decent team. So at least that, if, you know, at least Sacramento knows what's coming. But I mean, when you go to some place in Vegas, when you're talking millions and millions of dollars, it's just, I'm just really, I'm really, really proud about it. Okay, that being said, let's get back to paranormal stuff in my guest. If you're watching from Facebook today and you like what you hear and see, please be sure to hit that follow button. Also, give me some thumbs up and, you know, give me happy faces and all that because it moves us around in the Facebook algorithm and puts us up higher so other so a lot of people can see us. Same thing with YouTube. If you're listening today and you like what you see, please feel free to subscribe if you haven't done so already and plus leave me some smiling faces and all that good stuff because there's also there's algorithms everywhere on the internet so that's the algorithm in um youtube and it puts us up higher okay so let's do that uh if you're if you're a convert coming over from my tiktok page that's great enjoy the show today and hopefully you sign up with us and that's just that goes to my, my people on twitter and my people on instagram and everywhere else you're watching this from i really appreciate it if you want to find us, there's California Haunts all over uh, Facebook. You can find us at California Haunts over at TikTok. You can find us at Cal Haunts at Twitter and Cal Haunts at Twitch. And you can also find us over on Instagram under Ghosty Gal. It's all lowercase. Okay. I think I got all that out. I think I got everything out. Yeah. Anyway, my guest tonight, like I said, Andrew Message, we're going to be talking about ghost ghost hunting and we're going to be she, she does have a book out so we're going to talk a little bit about her. We're going to talk, we're talk about her book and we're going to talk about techniques because each team Although they do similar things, they also do things that are different. And it's interesting oh, it's for me to always talk to another, you know, other paranormal teams to, to, to see what, what goes on. So I'm really excited to have her on. So without further ado, here we go. And that was my sports diatribe. You won't hear me do sports diatribe ever again. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you. Sorry about the sports thing, but it's just, it's been bugging me. So that's okay. You know what? I love sports. I'm actually a sports girl myself. Um, so I, I don't mind at all. Fantastic. I just think it's chicken shit. You know what I mean? What they were doing. So yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I get it. So, you know, I, it, you know, and you know, you know, sports are interesting to a lot of people. So, you know, go for it. Yeah. So tell me about you. Okay. So, um, no, I hear you say a lot, uh, in the opening that you wanted to learn about me and my team. Uh, first things first, now this might be a little bit different, but my team consists of me, myself, and I, I do not have a team. I work on my own because I, I am a paranormal investigator, but I am also a demonologist and, um, as a demonologist, I, I basically, make myself available to make sure that I can work with, I, I mostly work with the Catholic church uh, because they're the ones who call me in to do investigations that they need to get the evidence that priests need evidence that they can bring to their bishops and their superiors right. in order to get um, permissions for exorcisms and um, certain, certain what they need to get for, certain um rights and so i'm the first line of defense i go in to get that evidence and i need to be free in order to do that and when you have groups you have people with children you have people uh, with day jobs you have people with certain things in their lives that they need to be able to work around and 
it just makes it more free because, you know, I'm single, I don't have kids, I, I know what my work schedule is, and it's just a lot easier for me to be able to work around myself and not have, not be able to like, you know, have to work around a group. Um, and I, I just like it as well, because I've been doing this now since 2004. And I, I've had a lot of experiences. I've worked with so many people that I take in a lot of trainees, like people who are interested in the paranormal that want to learn how to be investigators or want to learn what this is all about. And I could take them and I can train them and I'm free to be able to do that. I'm free to go and help budding investigators or new groups and I can go and teach them what I know. So I like to be kind of on my own to kind of enter into other groups or to be able to just be more free to kind of roam around. And um, so I don't necessarily work alone. I just don't have a set group. Yeah. No, I can understand that, especially with the kind of work you do. I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Tell me, how does one, I mean, I, I know with my own team, we've run into probably about three cases over the last 10 years. Or 15 years, you know, that, 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 that were the demons, right? So, how does one get into yes. completely going? How, how does somebody get into completely going at, you know, to, I mean, like doing the work you do? Into demonology? Yeah. Um, okay, first off, I, I, I'm looking at the chat real quick. And for, I think, Filippo, I, I hope I'm saying your name right, Filippo. It is not my chair that is squeaking, just so you know. <laughs> so, he's asking it's about the chair. I need some, some WD floor. <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> I have an old chair. Yeah, I just. If somebody, if somebody, if somebody um, wants to donate the funds for for a nice like 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 uh, you know like, like gaming chair, that would be great. It has to be red, red and black to go with my motif. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. No, but to get into demonology, believe it or not, I was strictly a paranormal investigator. I was really budding into the uh, paranormal, and I was really stupid. I was absolutely stupid as a, as a paranormal investigator. I decided that I wanted to learn. I actually wanted to learn about paranormal attachments. Okay. And so I brought in a haunted doll. I, there was this one group like that said, we have like, you know how they sell haunted dolls on eBay. Yes. And they're saying like, you know, well, there's this one place that had, they were doing quote adopted doll, like adopt dolls. They right. had these attachments and this quote unquote psychic medium was going to these different locations and taking spirits that people no longer wanted, attaching them to dolls and then adopting them out. And I thought this was a very unique situation. I thought maybe I'd try it and, and investigate this situation. We had a family home that nobody lived in. I thought this would be a perfect place to adopt quote unquote, one of these dolls place it in there. It was somewhere where I thought it would be safe, where I could do this investigation and keep it away from the general public. I never thought in a million years that there could be something negative, that this could be somebody that was intentionally putting negativity into the world. I, I was very naive about that. Uh -huh. Unfortunately, it turns out after I did a very strong investigation that that's exactly what this person was doing. They were intentionally putting out negative spirits through these um, attachments. And I ended up bringing something demonic into this family home, cost $36,000 worth of damage into my fam this family home that was left to us by my grandmother. <laughs> and um, I ended up having our priest, who is the exorcist of our diocese, um, he came in to do the blessing. 
and I was with him during the exorcism of the home. And I was pretty much under demonic attack at the time while he was doing the blessing. And it was at that moment, I pretty much felt like this is kind of my calling. I, I think this might be my calling because even though I was under that attack, I didn't feel like I was afraid. I felt like, I feel like this is what I'm being called to do to, mm -hmm. to help people not be stupid like I am. Uh -huh. And that's when I decided, I think I, I, I want to kind of do something like this. And I sat and I talked with the priest and we had a very nice long talk about it. And he said, I, I think maybe you are being called to do something like this. And we've worked together on many cases ever since. And um, I've worked many cases with other priests around the country. And ever since then, um, it's pretty much been a vocation of mine. You know, what you said really hit home with this because there's a lot of what goes on in the, in the investigator field is that there's a lot of people that don't believe in demons. They, you know, they don't believe that they're going to bring anything home or, you know, or anything like that. So your story is very, it is very poignant to me because I, I know I've, I've done that, been there, done that. I've had stuff following me home where I've been, you know, trying to do po post work and get scratched. You know what I mean? And yeah. people just don't realize yeah, yeah. Yeah. how serious this actually is, you know, when they're out in the field. Oh, exactly. I started the paranormal, not even believing in ghosts at all. I started mm -hmm. before I had my very first experience in the paranormal before my father died. I didn't even believe ghosts even existed. I thought it was just a bunch of fun things that you like stories you told as kids, just, mm -hmm. you know, around campfires just to be fun. I thought it was all a bunch of poop. You know, I just thought it was nonsense. I laughed at people who believed in ghosts. I thought they were just silly. Uh, my brother was a big believer. My one of my middle brother, um, I, I'm the baby of the family. And I, my older brother always believed in ghosts. And I thought he, I, I just laughed at him because I thought that was just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And then we ended up, he went to Gettysburg and I firmly believe he brought something home with him. And it wasn't a bad spirit. It was something that I think stayed because my father had a terminal illness and he wasn't really, he was, he was very close to the end at this time. And I think whatever spirit my brother brought home was, I think it had been stuck in this world for so long that he knew my father was going to pass. And I think he knew my father was a very spiritual man and he was, he had been sick for a very long time at this point and he was ready at any point to go home and I think the spirit knew that and knew that if he waited for my father, my father would be able to finally help him cross that curtain he had not been able to cross. Mm -hmm. And after my father passed away about a month later, we had just purchased a brand new, we, we had those little analog, you know, those analog tapes that you used to be able to leave voicemails on. Yeah, yeah. We finally purchased our, our very first digital one. And we thought, oh my gosh, we are finally coming into the new era. We finally got digital. My mom was so excited. And we finally got, we got our very first voicemail on our brand new digital voicemail machine. And when we played it, it was all white noise. And then through the white oh. noise, and we couldn't believe it. We called my brother and my my other brothers, both of them home from work. We made them come home from work to hear it. It was my dad's voice saying, I love you. And then through that voice, it was another voice saying, there's the light, let's, and then it clicked off. My dad had wow. been passed on for a month at this point. He had passed away a month previously. 
and this was a brand new voicemail machine. So there's no way that my dad could have called us a month mm -hmm. after he died on wow. a brand new voicemail machine. And then there was another male voice. So what I think is that was my dad saying goodbye to us one more time. And whatever mm -hmm. spirit had come to our house that my brother brought home with him was crossing over with my dad. And that's when I finally believed for the very first time that, yeah, hauntings do happen. And that was the catalyst that made me go into the paranormal. Fantastic so, story. That's you don't incredible. believe until you believe. No, you don't. You just don't believe until you believe. Yeah. You know, I've known people. I, I've known people that have been like, like I had an investigator, at an investigation who got slapped, and you could actually see the the the, the, yeah. the, the handprint, and she still wouldn't believe. Yeah, you and just like, well, you can't. I, I can't. You can't convince a skeptic. I mean, there are people that will. You you they'll just say, "I don't believe you. I don't believe you." And I'm like, I just tell them, my job is not to make you believe. You're only going to believe when you believe. My job is just mm -hmm. to be here to do the investigation, to tell you what I find. And your job is to just take it as you will and, and, and just do with it as you will. The other thing people don't realize, and I know like you just, you, you talked about in the beginning about your work with demon, you know, against demons is that the Catholic church is just, isn't just going to go out to your house. If you call them and say, I think I've got a demon in my house. They're not just going to go out because like she said, well, well, like no. Andrea says, you, the paranormal team or somebody has to come out and document that stuff because the Catholic Church needs stuff on paper yes. before they'll even look at it. Yes. And not only that, um, a lot of people believe that, oh, the Catholic Church is just uh, demons, 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 demons. And <laughs> that's oh. not how we work. Um, not only do we need to document it. But just even in the case of exorcisms, not only does it have to be well documented, but also they will um, ask for uh, psychological evaluations mm -hmm. many times if it's the case of somebody who is demonically, not just uh, infestations of homes and oppressions, but when it comes to the possessions of people, they also look into um, medical physiological, psychological, it's not just automatically let's go and do an exorcism. There mm -hmm. are very many steps that go into it. It's not just throwing it, you know, throwing somebody into something that could, you know, hurt their psyche, hurt their, I mean, there are many, many steps that go into it. And that's why there are many people involved, it, both in the medical field, demonologists, the, the priests, um, psychiatrists, medical doctors. I mean, it, it's, it, there's a lot that's involved that people, they just go to the horror movies and they see what happens in the movies, right. but they, that's not, necessarily a true representation of everything that goes on behind the scenes well i know i did a case uh, a few years ago that had that, that had demonic you know stuff going on and i remember she kept saying well my animals keep dying my farm animals keep yeah. dying and this and i said well we're gonna have to look at we're gonna have to get a sample of your of of, of, uh, of the soil yeah because we yeah. don't know what's in that soil and those animals are eating you know, are eating plants off the soil and all this so we ended up doing all that. That's what, like I said, that's what people don't realize is, is the buildup to having a priest even come out for that sort of thing. Yep, exactly. Yeah. I mean, they don't just automatically, like they'll come out, like if a pre, if you want a house blessed, they'll be more than happy to come out and bless. They'll be more than happy to right. give you a blessing. They'll be more than happy to pray for you. They will be more than happy to say a mass for you um, and, and to put your name into their mass and, and their intentions but they're not automatically going to do a very sacred rite mm -hmm. without everything else that's involved in it. Because this is mm -hmm. a very, not only is it a sacred rite, 
but also it is something that could really affect your emotional state, your psychological mm -hmm. state. And they are extremely careful about that. Now, when, when, when you go out to look into these cases, what, what's the process you use? Uh, well, it depends on the type of case that I am doing. Um, if it is a regular paranormal case, I will usually just, uh, I mean, and I, I usually, even when it's a demonic case or any kind of case that I am doing, uh, my first thing is I will talk to the person, whether it's on the phone or by the internet, mm -hmm. we'll, I'll just ask them what's going on. Um, and we'll just, we'll build up a rapport. We'll build up some kind of a, you know, like a line of communication and I'll let them explain to me everything that's going on. Um, and we'll just kind of talk and we'll build up kind of a relationship. Like, you know, I'll, I'll make them feel comfortable with me because if they don't feel comfortable with me, then I want to make sure that I could lead them to somebody that they'll feel comfortable with. Because it, it's just like when you bring somebody into your home, like if you're bringing a cleaner into your home, you don't want to bring somebody into your home that you're going to feel like, oh, this person's in my home and they're cleaning my house and I don't really feel comfortable with them here. I don't want them going through my stuff. I don't want them. I, I don't feel comfortable with that. So I want to make sure they're comfortable with me being there because I'm going to be in their home and it's going to be a very intimate process, you know, because I'm going to be asking them questions. I am going to be saying prayers. I'm going to be talking to seemingly nothing. And, and it's going to be something that is going to be, uh, it, it, it's, it's something that, you know, they have to be comfortable with me. So we have to build up a rapport. And if there isn't a rapport, if they don't feel comfortable with me, then I would, you know, lead them in a different direction. Um, mm -hmm. So that's the first thing is we build a rapport together, uh, usually either on the phone or, you know, through whatever means that they communicate with me. The next step would be to meet them in person at the location and we will talk together and we will, they'll show me around. They'll tell me, they'll show me the things that are happening. They will show me where it happens, how it's happening. We'll do a tour of the location. Um, and I will I'll watch their, like I watch their body language. Body language is very important to me because I had this one client, everything is just great. Oh, it's not bad at all. You know, it's really not that bad. It's, it's not that, oh, you know what? I, I don't really get that scared. I'm like, you know, here's where this happened. And you know, it's really not that bad. It's not like, you know, they're not trying to scare me. I don't think they're really trying to scare me. They're not trying to hurt me. They're not trying, but every time he would describe something that would happen, I could see his body language was telling me a completely different story. His body language was telling me that he was scared. His body language was telling me that every time something happened, it they were trying to scare him. They were, he was getting really like terrified. And it, it to me, it was like they were affecting him. And mm -hmm. he he knew that they were trying to affect him, but he was afraid to say it out loud because I think maybe he was afraid that they would retaliate. His mm -hmm. body language was telling me the opposite of this everything's all hunky-dory attitude he was giving me. And during the course of the investigation, I was starting to pick up on that myself through the kickback I was getting from the actual interactions with the spirits. Mm -hmm. So body language was very important when I'm doing these walkthroughs. So I always observe the people that I'm walking through. The interviews and the face-to-faces are extremely important during that time. A lot of times my clients are extremely curious and they want to be present during mm -hmm. the investigation. And as long as it's not seemingly demonic, 
I, I don't have a necessary, like an issue with it, as long as there are no children involved. It, I do not allow children under the age of 18 involved in a paranormal investigation where somebody lives at all. If there are children that live in the residence and or live in the location, they are not allowed to be there. I do not allow children to be present. I do not allow them to really be in there. When I am interviewing a child, I am very careful. I do not use leading questions. I do not really talk to them about spirits or I let them talk to me. I let them, usually I'll have them draw me pictures or I'll have them, we'll, we'll make it some kind of like a little game where we're not, I'm not putting ideas into their head and I'm not leading them with different questions. I let them tell me what's going on or I let them show me what's going on through pictures. But I don't really want them involved in this because I don't want them to be, I don't want them to be scared and I don't want them to get ideas. And then I, I don't want them to be involved in the situation at all. And then generally I'll try to do some investigations without anybody there whatsoever, because I need to try to be with whatever might be there one-on-one. -on -one. And so there are different phases to each investigation. And then from there, I come up with a game plan with my clients about what needs to be done, what they want to be done, what they're comfortable with doing. Because of course, I don't deal with just Catholics. I deal with different religions and non-religious people. And some of them just are not uh, comfortable with having a priest come in to do blessings or to oh. do expulsions. And some are not um, comfortable with anybody coming in. Some uh -huh. don't believe in religious um, things at all. So we have to work out whatever game plan that they are comfortable with. And so we have to sit and discuss that at the end once I am able to figure out what's going on, if anything. Usually, if we're talking... A majority of the time, we're usually talking something natural. We're not usually talking, to, we're mostly not talking demonic. That is a very rare case. Um, if we're talking paranormal, um, we're not talking about anything that needs, you know, that's serious. If, but usually the case is a lot of times we're talking natural occurrences, like, you know, uh -huh. piping gone bad, making banging noises, or, you know, they're, they need to replace their windows because air is leaking, causing doors to open and close because they're, the ceiling is bad on the doors and they open and close very easily. Um, so those are the general cases, natural, then paranormal and very rare occasions demonic. I was going to say how how frequently do you come across demonic cases because I mean in, in my experience doing this like I have I mean I, maybe I've had four in the last fifteen years if that it's it's not very common it is definitely not very common I mean I have done I mean I see it more commonly than most people because that is the vocation I go into right. um, and I deal with the Catholic church who gets called into it because a lot of times what they deal with is are the people who kind of bring it on themselves. Like some of them deal with it on purpose. Like some, they open themselves up to the demonic via the occult methods um, or through other means um, possession wise. So I, I kind of see it a little bit more frequently, but in general, like if I'm just going to somebody's home randomly, you know, somebody saying like, I think I have um, some kind of, you know, haunting going on in my house. Okay. This is a very old house. I just moved here. Or I just bought something I think might be, might have a attachment in general, it's either something where their their imagination is flying because they saw a haunted like a haunted movie, or they uh, it's Halloween and then 
all of a sudden they just get really spooked out because it's been it, the Halloween season was just on them and they saw too many scary movies or whatnot. Or they do have something paranormal going on, but it's relatively benign is the vast majority of the situations I deal with. Oh. Uh, it's very, very rarely demonic. Do you find that, you know, with all these TV shows that are on, because I know the calls I get, you know, range from, well, you need to come out and clear the house. There's not even a question of, let us go see what's going on. Because, I mean, like you say, you have to go in and sort through that stuff to know what you're dealing with. You know, you just can't go yeah. out and throw a blessing on the house. And I found that since these TV shows have come into being, and I'm not going to mention which show, but you probably know. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I found that since these shows have been on, that when I get calls, it's always something dark and evil. Yeah, I think show, the, the television shows have been kind of like a blessing and a curse in some ways. Mm -hmm. Mostly because I think what's a blessing about some of the shows, <coughs> excuse me, what I think uh, the blessing about the shows is that it, it brought the paranormal to kind of the front line because mm -hmm. it showed people that, hey, you know what? this does happen. And so for the people out there that, cause for a long time, the paranormal was taboo, especially oh. in like, cause I, I have like, I, I was raised Catholic. My, my mom and her family were Catholic and I was oh. raised Catholic. My dad and his side were Protestant and um, that Protestant side, you, the paranormal is very taboo. Mm -hmm. And it's, you could, you cannot talk about the paranormal whatsoever because in that sect of, uh, of their religion, it is extremely like, mm -mm. You, you, that it, it, if you believe in the paranormal, that is strict, you are like occultist, demonic. Mm -hmm. mm -mm. And, um, and, and so for a long time, there are people who like, when they're dealing with hauntings, if you had family members just like that, uh, like my dad was very much, he was much more open-minded because, you know, he, he was like, he let us being raised Catholic, you know, he, he was more Catholic than he was um, Protestant to my, his family is going to hate here. If he ever, they ever heard that he, they hate that, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, he, but, you know, on, on his side of the family, I should say, you know, but uh, they, it, for those who are like, were like them, they, you know, they would have to suffer in silence because they couldn't go to their pastors and say, I think I have like a spirit in my house and I don't know what to do because they would be shamed. They would be shunned. And they didn't know that they, that there was help out there for them. But with the invention of these television shows, like uh, ghost hunters was one of the first that came out and they, you know, and went really mainstream and, and then its earliest inception, it was they'd go to houses and they'd say, oh, there's nothing really going on here. This is natural. This is normal. We can explain it. Or, mm -hmm. you know what, you've got something here and it's okay. We can help you. And it's fine. You don't have to be afraid. And they're like, mm -hmm. oh my God, there's people out here that can help us. Wow, this right. is great. You know, and so in, in its earliest inception, people were just like, well, there's help for us. And I think that mm -hmm. was fantastic. I think that was great. And I'd love to go back to a day and age of paranormal shows like that. I would too. Uh, but as the show started to get more and more like extreme, where it was just like, 
He's possessed. He's possessed. Oh my God. He's possessed. Everybody stay away from him. Stay away from him. Stay away from him. He's possessed right now. Back off. You know, and the shows got more extreme because they wanted to get more and more and more, you know, uh, ratings, obviously, because it became a ratings grab. And, um, and there's still some good shows out there. Don't get me wrong. Like, right, I mean, right. there's still some really good shows out there, but there are some extreme ones that we all know what we're talking about. Sure, um, yeah. But, you know, but don't get me wrong. People love those shows. And, and, and to me, like, even though I, I don't necessarily like those shows because they do tend to over dramatize the truth mm-hmm. at the same time, at least it, it still brings the paranormal out there. And it still lets people know that, Hey, you know what? The paranormal is out there. And you know what, for as bad as some of these shows are, at least, you know, that there are people out there that do investigate the paranormal. And if you need right. help, you know, we're out there and you know, we're there to help. So absolutely, you know, but, no, but there's no. still good, there are still good shows out there. So, Oh yeah. You there's just a, have to look. <laughs> yeah. There's a few that I watch, you know, and there's, there's a handful I can't stand. So, you know, it's just, yeah. I just found yeah. that it's just so hard to convince people because they've been watching those shows for so long that sometimes it's really hard to convince. Exactly. People. We need, hey, we, we have need to come overhaul. out. We need, yeah. Yeah. You know, we really have to yeah. come out and look around and see what's going on at your place. Because one one size of a, yeah. of a of a blessing or whatever isn't going to fit all. You know, you may not have anything. Yeah. You may not realize there's nothing there. It's just something like you say, something natural or something with a house. You know, so exactly, yeah. yeah. So I, I admire people, yeah, it's, folks like you that do this. I really admire you guys. Yeah. Do you find, have you ever had a client lie to you? I mean, I've, I've been out where, you know, where they've had the Ouija board up in their closet and they'll sit there and go, oh no, I don't mess with that stuff. Oh yeah. Oh, I've had, um, I've had clients fake uh, hauntings. I, I've had a client that faked it just to see, um, just because they wanted the attention. It, it was, I had a, and, and it was, um it wasn't malicious. It wasn't like they were doing it maliciously. It was somebody that just, it was a very lonely person who um, she had lost her husband mm-hmm. and that uh, they never had kids and she just didn't have anybody. And I was the only person who kept coming out because she had seen me on TV and mm-hmm. um, I, I had done something locally and they, it was about a local haunt and I think I was just the only company she had <laughs> and, and there was no haunting there. There was just absolutely, and, and I could tell she was lying about it. And I just kept coming out anyway, I, because she was lonely, you know, and I just, right. and I knew, I knew she was, I knew, but you know, it, and sometimes that's what we, sometimes, you know what, you just, you let it fly in situations like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also a case where um, there was a woman who's uh she wasn't lying but her family was uh i i i was never really able to prove it unfortunately but i truly believe that her family was the one causing the situation uh through occult practices Uh causing her haunting because they wanted her to sell her home and every time i had i was working with the priest and every time we, we, I mean, we brought in the big guns. We brought in, we actually held masses at her home. We held uh, blessings, exorcisms. We, I mean, we did everything. We fought this demonic force that was in her. And it was a seriously heavy, dark force that was in her home. 
and we fought it every single time and we cleansed that place. And every single time something came back and it only came back when her family came to visit her, a specific family member came to visit her and immediately something, all hell would break loose literally every time that person came back. And that person told me that she never, ever played with the occult ever but she finally, the, the owner of the home admitted, oh, no, my daughter used to play with this all the time. She used to always play. In fact, I think she still has a Ouija board at her home. Uh-huh. And the last time I spoke to her, she said that the haunting had got so bad, she finally sold her home and moved out of the state with this family member. And they sold the home and she gave the money to this family member and was moved into a nursing home by this family member. And she gave the money to this family member for the home. And um, so this family member got all of the money for this home, which is exactly what she wanted all along. And I, I honestly think that that is, so this family member was lying the entire time to me, um, the entire, cause she's the one who initially contacted me to help her family member. Cause she wanted me to convince her to move because uh-huh. the, because of this demonic infestation. And, and I think she was the one that was the cause of it the entire time. So. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I just wonder yeah. how she's doing now. That's kind of spooky, you know? Yeah. I, I, I think she, I, I haven't been, I haven't gotten a hold of her in a long time, but um, she was, uh, she was elderly at the time. So I, I, I don't know, but, um, yeah. I, I hope she's okay, but yeah. Wow. 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 When you go out and you're interviewing people, you know, like you say, you're looking at body language, you're looking at different things. What are the key factors for you to decide that, that, that this is demonic and, and not something else? Um, well, it depends on, uh, different situations. Uh, for example, if I'm dealing with, like, if I'm dealing with a home, like if I'm dealing with a home infestation, uh, usually it's very easy to tell after a while. Uh, like in this one recent case that I was doing, um, when I was inside the home, um, I was dealing, unfortunately it had to deal with a child. Um, so I won't go into too many details, uh, but as soon as I started talking about like, it it really didn't communicate with me about anything. But as soon as I started talking about the child, because it seemed like the child was acting up, the child was not behaving. The child was very aggressive towards the mother only. Um, And the child was, unfortunately, the child was just, uh, the behavior of the child was um, just off with the mother and just angry all the time. And as soon as I started talking about the child, all of my equipment would continuously go off. And then all of a sudden I started to smell a very foul smell that wasn't there previously. Mm-hmm. They had um, a dog that they left in the, uh, in the house with me. Um, and the dog just was very clingy with me. And this was a very large pit bull. And um, the dog was attached to my hip. It would not leave me. You would think that this dog would be an aggressive, scary, you know, kind of like, um, you know, protective dog. But this dog was looking at me to protect this dog. And I'm like, You're, it's the other way around, dog. You're supposed to be protecting me, not the other way around. Stop covering around me. I'm not protecting you. You're like 100 pounds. You go protect me here. But, um, you know, but this dog wanted me to protect 
you know, the dog and I'm like, okay, I'll protect you. Uh, but the dog was starting to cower. And, um, I, so I could tell from the way the dog was acting that something mm-hmm. was off and my equipment was, um, starting to react. So I got my, uh, religious icon. I, I have all of my religious, um, my, uh, my scapular. I always wear my scapular. I have my rosary. I have, um, my statue of St. Michael, the archangel. I brought, um, a little statue of St. Joseph, who's also known as the terror of demons. And I, I took all of this out and I put the religious imagery out. I took a little medallion of the blessed Virgin Mary and I placed this out and I started doing what I call religious provocation. And I only do this when I'm alone without the owners of the home there, because I don't want any repercussions on the owners of the home. Um, I, I need any repercussions that happen. I want them to be solely on me. Uh-huh. And as soon as I took, I mean, I barely even took the the items out and everything just started going crazy. It, it was almost as if it just immediately started to react to the, to the site of all of the religion. And that's when I knew something was not right. Um, and as soon as I saw this, I immediately said, okay, we're going to shut everything down. We're bringing the priest in. So I had the exorcist for that diocese come in to do the, to do an expulsion of the home. And as soon as he was finished, that scared dog that I had never seen, mm-hmm. uh, not scared since I had started the investigation of that place was the happiest dog I had ever seen in my entire life. It would have the zoomies. It was jumping around. It was happy. Cool. And that family said that they have just, they've been happy ever since the little boy is now well adjusted doing uh-huh. great with mom The dog's happy. So, yeah, absolutely. So you just Everybody. know, I mean, there, there's, there's signs, there's signs right. and things. So, so I remember a case I did um, with a family, I'm not going to say where, but Northern California. And he was bound to determine that, that this was demonic, you know, whatever was going on. And I'm doing my, my yeah. walk through the house and I'm looking on the walls and they've got all kinds of religious icons on the walls, you know, portraits and stuff. Yeah. And I came out and I said, you know, I hate to tell you this, but if this was demonic, none of that would be on your walls. You know, it, it would be on the floor. I said, I don't think you got a demonic case. As it turned out, the gentleman had a brain tumor, and it, it was like a poltergeist mm-hmm. situation yeah. coming from his brain. But, yeah. the, but the look on their face when I went, you know, you got all these blessed. And I, I, said, I, was, I said, are those all blessed? Yeah, we, we've had all those photos blessed. You know, all those things. I said, they wouldn't yeah. be up there. You know, so. It, yeah. Now, if a- people want to know. If people want to know a really good insight into the demonic, like if they're very actually interested into the mind of the demonic, mm-hmm. I really highly, highly recommend the podcast, um, uh, The Exorcist Files with Father Carlos Martins, who is a renowned exorcist that you can hear that on iHeartRadio. It that I mean, it'll tell you everything you need to know about exorcisms, about demons, about how demons work. It just ended its first season, and that could tell you a lot more than even I could tell you about demons right, in right, a short right. time. Right, right. How do you prepare to go out on these cases? Because I'm sure you have some kind of preparation. It depends on the case itself. Uh, if I know that I'm getting called in to start working on a case that is potentially demonic, uh, like if I'm getting called out by the church, um, usually if I'm getting called by a priest, no matter where the priest is coming from, mm-hmm. um, I will start off by going to confession. 
uh, with um, my priest or the priest. Like if I have to travel to whatever priest is calling me in whatever state, I will go to a priest and go to confession. Then I will fast usually for a couple days. Um, and, um, I will just be in a prayerful mindset and then I will go on the, uh, do whatever I do, which is, I will interview the clients. I will do the face to face. I will do the walkthrough and I'll do everything as I would normally do on any investigation. But I always start with confession, prayer, fasting. It's very important to keep myself to be protected is to make sure that I am spiritually full shielded. Uh, I also will carry with me all of my religious uh, paraphernalia, which would include my uh, rosary. I include my statue. I have a little tiny one of St. Joseph, um, who, again, is um, he's the spouse of the Virgin Mary, but he's also known as the terror of demons. I carry that in my pocket. I'll have the uh, Blessed Virgin Mary in my pocket. I'll have my a crucifix. The I also have a... Um, the uh, saint of exorcists is and, and demonologists is um, uh, the the medallion of Saint Benedict, and I'll I'll mm -hmm. carry that with me, and I'll have um, I have all sorts of different like my um, I, I think I said my rosary. I also have that on me at all times, and so I, I just make sure that I keep those. My holy water. I have some holy oil that um, my that. Clara, don't bark at me in the middle of this. <laughs> <laughs> My dog is, it's past, it's past her lunchtime and she's very upset right now. <laughs> Usually I feed her at, at two o'clock and it's now 2.44 and she is mad, big mad. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, I, so I make sure to have all of that with me for protection. Um, but then I do everything as I would do on any other, uh, and any other kind of investigation. Um, uh, but I always make sure that I have what I call my prayer warrior group praying for me during the exact time that I would be at uh -huh. this investigation. I will call my network and I will say, look, this is the time that I'm going to be there. Please start your prayers for me. And then as I'm getting ready to leave, I will tell them I am on my way out. Please make sure you do a closing prayer to make sure that any attachments that may have been trying to attach to me are not available or not allowed to attach to me. Oh. And then as I'm leaving, I'll make sure to close off with the St. Michael the Archangel prayer to make sure that I am protected from any attachments. But that's how I would handle a demonic case. And then um, as I'm getting ready for a regular case, I just you know, go in, I'll say a few prayers to protect myself going in, say a few prayers to protect myself going out. Um, but then I'll just handle it like an average case if it's just an average case. Now, why do you fast before you go out? Fasting is just kind of like a, a form of like sacrifice of self. I, I'm uh -huh. just like um, offering myself. I'm sacrificing and just keeping myself clean. I'm cleansing myself, I'm just uh, purifying myself and offering myself to prayer. Um, and I'm just, um, I'm kind of adding a little bit to a, like a self-suffering as I'm preparing and making my body mentally and physically ready for the spiritual battles that could be coming along with fighting the demonic. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of like a, um, like a sacrifice of um, to prepare to like a sacrifice to God is a way to prepare and to unite myself with God's sacrifice for, to me that he did um, when he went to his death on the cross so we're kind of attaching ourselves to each other in that way. So when you're on a case like that and, 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 you, and, and you think it's 
that that it, it is demonic. How how do you approach the client to say, hey, I think you've got a demon in here, and we're going to have to call the Catholic Church in? Because that's got to be scary. I'm blunt. I, I, I'm just I'm very blunt. Like I, I try to be very kind about it, but I also try to be very just blunt about it because I I just. I feel like the Band-Aid approach is probably just the best way to approach it. And I just kind of like will lay it all out. I'll just say, look, this is what I feel like we're going through. Like, I'll just be like, look, I, you called me in here. You wanted my honest opinion. And this is what I feel like we're dealing with. I will show them the evidence that I collected, whether it's um, video, audio, uh, whether it's by photographs. And I'll just say, here, here, and here. These are my thoughts. Uh, what are your thoughts? And I will ask them for their opinions. And then I'll say, okay, let's discuss this back and forth. Let me show you what I've caught. This is what I think. What do you think? Okay, let me show you this. This is what I think. What do you think? Okay, let's discuss this back and forth. Okay, this is my final opinion. This is what I think should happen. This is what I believe. This is what, this is my game plan what are your thoughts on this? And then I will say, okay, this is what I'm going to do now. And what I will say is usually I'm going to lay out a game plan. I'm uh -huh. going to email them. If they have an email, I will email that to them. If they don't have an email, I'll just write it all down and I'll leave it with them there, like on a piece of paper with my phone number and contact uh -huh. information. And then I'll say, look, this is what I believe should happen. This is why I believe it should happen. And I said, this is in your hands. I cannot tell you what you have to do. I cannot force you to do this. I am just telling you based on my expertise and my experiences, this is what I feel you should do. From here, you make the call. You are in control. And the only way that this is going to work, the only way that you are going to win this battle is by you taking control because this is about you. And you can only win if you take control. So you have to take the next step. You tell me what you want to do. And then I let them make that decision because in the end, it is about them. It's not about what I want. It's not about right. what the priest wants. It's not about what their pastor wants. It's about what they want. They have to say, I want this to end. I want to take back control. So I leave it up to them in the end. Have you ever come across, you know, anybody that, that didn't want to take any action on, on, you know, on their premises? Yes, I have several times. And you would be um, getting a call back I've, later. <laughs> um, I, you know what? I have a couple times uh, where I've mm -hmm. gotten a call back later. And I have uh, one time where I, I fought with somebody. I'm like, look, you are going to regret this. You really should fix this problem. They refused. They said they do not believe in, uh, they're not religious. They do not believe in it. They said they, they just absolutely will not do it. Um, and they refused. And then the problem got so bad that they sold the home. Uh -huh. Um, I was worried that the, the problem was just going to continue to follow them. I thought it would be a spiritual attachment, but much to my surprise, it didn't. And it stayed until the pre the, the following owner took over the home and that following owner, much to my surprise, somehow found out about me and contacted me and said that they have a problem. I was not surprised that they had a problem. I'm just surprised they found out who I was and was able to contact me. And I said, I know exactly what your problem is because I tried to get your previous owner to get rid of that problem and they neglected to tell you about it. And I went and had that home um, expelled, expunged by the priest and they never had a problem after that. 
but see, no, I've it has issues. happened. I have issues with people like that because I mean, I just it just makes my skin crawl because I mean, what if the people that move in have little children? You know that this thing could affect. And it just yes, irritates me. I'm sorry. I'm just yeah. I'll be very blunt about that. That's just really well, look, at, look at how that happened. And I mean, it, it's happened. Like uh, even at the Conjuring House, when you really think about it, the Perone family. Uh, they had children when they moved into that home, you know, like Andrea Perone and her, she had younger sisters right. and, right. Um, you know, it just, it, it, and that happens all the time where people knowingly leave a home that has, you know, issues and then um, people, families move in and they have young children that move in there. And then, you know, it, it's just an endless cycle and, and no, you know, and sometimes, you know, and I don't necessarily always blame the person because especially back in Andrea Perone's day, they, they didn't, they didn't know what to do. They don't know how to always, you didn't know how to fix it, but it, like in this day and age of like ghost hunters and um, the ghost brothers and ghost adventures and every, all these shows on TV, you know, you know, at this point, you know, yeah. so yeah, but, um, you know, it, it's so, yeah, it, it can be frustrating, especially when you're there and you tell them we can fix this and they say absolutely not. And then they just leave it for the next person to walk in. Yeah, I think that's pretty chicken, as they say, you know, yeah. the approach. You're fascinating to talk to about this because I, I, I've talked with Catholic priests, you know, I've never talked with, I'm not going to say, but I've never talked with somebody from outside the church about, you know, really, yeah. really what, what they do. And, and, I just find it so interesting because, like I said, I think like I've only run into like four over, over the years I've been doing this, if that, you know. But uh, yeah, what's one of the biggest warning signs that, that that you see that's that something's not right at the house? Um, I think it depends on the case itself because every case is so different. I mean. I've had one of the worst cases I ever was, I ever saw, never really had warning signs, like not, not serious warning signs. It, it just, it was a case of, well, my keys would go missing. And oh. then all of a sudden they'd appear where I know they weren't. And I, I started to think that maybe I had early onset dementia, but you know, <laughs> I'm only 30 and right. I'm just like, okay, I know I understand. And then, um, well, my wife and I would get into an argument over something stupid and then we wouldn't remember what we were arguing about and it would just, we'd feel so irrational about it. And I'm like, no, 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 that's, he goes, but that's so normal, you know, but it's not us, but it's normal. And then, you know, we'd see the lights flickering and it's just like, you know, it, and it would just seem like little normal things that weren't really warning signs for anything demonic, but it turned out to be one of the worst cases I had um, dealt with in you know a long time when it came to demonic infestations and the priest i had worked with this was something that was out of state um i and i ended up i didn't want to stay there because you know hotel fees are expensive and i don't charge my clients we don't you know as investigators a good investigator never charges their client not even if they're right. out of town um and so i didn't want to stay that long but it it took me i was there for quite i was on vacation for quite a while um and because it, it ended up taking us a while to get that whole situation uh situated um and so there really weren't that many warning signs but i'd have to say if if i was gonna pick big warning signs i would say if it doesn't feel right to you if it if something just feels off trust your gut uh -huh. It never hurts to get it checked out. 
even if it turns out that you can find a natural explanation, uh-huh. don't feel embarrassed. Don't feel embarrassed for asking a, a, a paranormal team to come out and figure that out for you. There's uh-huh. nothing wrong with it. Trust your gut. Uh-huh. If it doesn't feel right to you, just ask. That's what we're here for. Uh-huh. So that's that's what I would say. Now you have your dog and you, and you have your spouse. What do you do to make sure that no nothing spouse. Would... Okay. Harder. Harder. No spouse Harder. for me. <laughs> I have nobody. That. I'm forever alone. Okay. <laughs> So I'd love have- to have a man in my life because because I'm tired of mowing my lawn and, and <laughs> shoveling my shoveling my. If, so if there's a man out there who's if you're if you're a guy who's single and and good looking and ready to mingle, I'm I'm all, I'm all for it. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I'm ready. You heard I'm it here first. You heard I'm it here first, guys. <laughs> you heard it here first, guys. So when you go on a case, and you know, obviously you have your dog. Do you do anything to protect your dog at all? Because I mean. That, you know, like when you're working a case like that, that could just as easily come home when you're not home and then, you know, mess with the animal. Oh, when I leave, whenever I leave, before I go out of my home, I always uh, will bless my home with holy water. Mm-hmm. I say the prayer of St. Michael the Archangel. Um, I take my dogs um, every uh, every year when it's time for the... Um, when it's time for the blessing of uh, the animals during the Feast right. of St. Francis of Assisi, right. and I have them blessed every year. Um, but I always bless my home before I go. And then when I come, before I leave, like as I'm coming home from an investigation, I make sure to bless my car. I bless myself to make sure there's no attachments. And then before I come into my garage, I once again will bless the garage to make sure that nothing can enter my home. Uh, my house has been blessed by our by the priest who was is the exorcist of our diocese now. Um, so the house has been fully blessed already. So there's already pretty much a perimeter around this house to protect it. Um, so, yeah, the only thing that's not here is a good man to mow my lawn for me so that I don't have to <laughs> get out there and do that because I'm tired. I'm tired. I can't do this anymore. My winters, winters are too hard. I don't want to snow blow anymore. <laughs> so that's, only, that's the only thing I'm lacking is a good man. I understand that yeah. feeling. I mean, after all the rains last year out in California, I go out in my backyard and my my that that those grass that grass is up to my hips. You know what I'm trying out there with the weed eater trying to knock it I down. So- I'm just uh, I know I just I just keep saying I'm like that's the only thing I'm lacking is a good man at this point. So I'm I'm so guys, you know what? I'm taking applications now. <laughs> but you know what? Like I tell I tell everybody, you know, demonology and paranormal uh investigator. Not exactly a good luck on dating sites. You don't get a lot of hits if you put that on there. So that's very surprising, believe it or not. But a lot of people, they don't, they're not, as soon as they see that, you don't get a lot of hits. Yeah, but you've got paranormaldate.com. I haven't even looked at that site yet. I'm just saying, I just think that whole thing's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have to look into that. That might be... (laughs) I like the commercial wow. he used because I guess he tells her what he does, you know, what he does in the commercial, and she goes, "Ah, <laughs> yeah, I have to use the restroom." Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? Actually, believe it or not, 
And this is a true story. I was, I had this really nice, I, I was actually talking to this really nice guy. Everything was going great. I mean, it was really, you know, he's a really nice guy, very good looking. We were having this fantastic time. I told him my day job is I'm a, I'm, I'm a, um, disc jockey, basically. I work as a DJ for a classic rock radio station. Um, and, and, you know, animal lovers, we both love animals. You know, I've got geckos, I got a parrot, I got my dogs, uh, you know, and, and everything was going really great. And then he's like, well, you know, we we're talking about hobbies outside of, you know, our day jobs. And uh, then I got to the paranormal and because you know, it's going to come up. It's going to, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's going to come right, up eventually. Right, right, right. Right. Because you know, it's a big, I, I've been on, I've been on, uh, you know, I was on um, Fright Club, both seasons of Fright Club with Jack Osborne and the Ghost Brothers. And I was on A Haunting. I've been on the Weather Channel, Strangest Weather on Earth. I mean, I, I, I this is a big part of my life. Right. And uh, so yeah. it's eventually going to come up. And so I said, you know, I'm a paranormal investigator and demonologist. And we had already planned, like, you know, continuing you know our, our our whole you know thing and he right. ghosted me after that like no pun intended he literally ghosted me after he found out about that and i never heard from him again once he once i said this. so yeah so yeah not exactly um not not exactly i thought it'd be an icebreaker i thought that would be like hey this is a cool chick maybe i'd like right. to go do a you know a paranormal right, investigation right, right, no, right, right. apparently not apparently not <laughs> apparently not so yeah <laughs> that's kind of like you but. said that's kind of odd to hear nowadays because i remember when i started out this field and we would uh we'd, i'd be walking on eggs telling people what i did because back then it wasn't as accepted as it is now yeah but i think i think a lot of people are just like it's cool on tv but that in real life they're like yeah nah i'm not gonna deal with the demons <laughs> coming home uh-uh. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you say to people? But I mean, yeah. as far as like somebody that's listening and will be listening to the replay on this, what do you say to people to keep them away from, from doing that stuff that, that will draw demons in? How, 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 how can they do that? Uh, basically, don't mess with what you don't know. You know, don't, if you know what, a lot of people, that is their number one mistake is they look at things that aren't a game as a game and uh -huh. they just mess with things they don't know just because it, they think it's um it, they they just they you know it's it's they think it's just like oh you know what it's not going to hurt me this is not you know this is just a bunch of whatever they don't you know and they don't take it seriously it's like always take it seriously because you hear story after story after story after story of things going bad. How many stories do you have to hear before you say, if it could happen to them, it could happen to me? Like, oh. it's just like texting and driving. Like, you hear, how many stories do you hear of people texting and driving and getting killed or killing someone else before you realize, man, if I text and drive, that could happen to me? You know, oh. why risk it? Why risk it? You know, why would you, you know, why would you take that phone in your hand and start texting while you're driving and risk being, you know, the cause of, you know, some family losing someone they love or your family losing you? Just don't do it. You know, and so that that's my advice. If you don't know what you're doing and you don't know what you could be getting into, 
-hmm. you better be dang sure that you know you know that you you know the risks before you try something so mm -hmm. you know you just like when you're playing with the ouija board a lot of people say well playing with the ouija and this is a good example like you know i i don't forget i have a lot of friends that use the ouija board and they say for years and years and years hey i use the ouija board for decades and nothing bad has ever happened to me Right. It's just like, oh, yeah, a lot of people do a lot of things for decades and nothing bad. ever. Like my dad smoked for 20 some years until he got cancer <laughs> and, then, and, right. and then he passed away. And <laughs> also, so, he, hey, you know, yeah, go for it. But um, I, but it, the thing is, you know, but I'm not going to begrudge anybody who uses the Ouija board. I'm not going right. to get into that debate. But my thing is. People say, well, you know, using the Ouija board is no different than using like a like a a recorder and, and going, it's just another tool. Uh -huh. Well, my thing is using a Ouija board, you are the conduit. They actually work through you. They have to, you have to give them physical permission to use your body, to use your essence, to use your soul in order to communicate. I just have to say, talk into this little black box, peace out. I don't even have to be in the room for them to actually talk into the recorder. I oh. could leave. Like I actually put my recorder down, left the building, went to McDonald's, came back and still got an EVP. You can't oh. do that with a uh, Ouija board. You have to be physically right. attached to the planchette in order for the Ouija board to work. You know, you have to be there. Your physical essence, something has to be there to help. You have to be the conduit. Your mm -hmm. spiritual essence has to be there. So there, there's a big difference between the Ouija board and just a recorder. It's not just another uh, form of communication. It, there has You have to have a much higher level of respect for it than that. And if you just look at it as, quote, just another form of communication, you're not respecting it enough. And that's uh -huh. going to cause a lot of trouble. You have to have, you have to know how to shut it off. You have to know how to close that door so that nothing else can get in. You have to make sure that you have to, that you get those things that you let in out. Um, and you have to make sure that you respect everything that is coming. It's, there's so much that you need to know that if uh -huh. you don't just don't do it, don't do uh -huh. it. Mm -hmm. And that's how I think that you can go a long way to protecting yourself um, if you're going to dabble in stuff like that. Andrea, this has been fun. I had a ball. This, this was great. <laughs> I did too. Thank you I did so too. Much. Thank you for thank having me. So, oh, thank you so much. For, I would love to have you on again to talk more about this stuff because it fascinates me. I would love to too. I would love to. This was a blast. This was a blast. Fantastic. Well, then I'll be in touch with you. Okay. We'll get you rebooked at some point here. Great. But thank you so much for coming. How, how, how can people find you? Um, well, they could always find me on Facebook, Expose the Night Paranormal. But I'm actually most active on TikTok. If you go to Haunted Gal, that's just Haunted, G-A-L, all one word. Um, I am most active on TikTok right now. Uh, but you could just search Expose the Night Paranormal on TikTok. Uh, on Facebook. I'm also there as well, but TikTok is the best way to go. Haunted gal. Fantastic. And you do have a book out, correct? Um, yes, I do have a, it's out. I just have a few copies left right now. It temporarily oh. has been, uh, pulled because I'm taking the stories from that book and I am putting it into a new project. Um, I am making a much Clara, I will feed you. I promise. God, <laughs> she's going nuts now. Um, 
I'm going to be, she is now an hour over when I'm supposed to feed her and this dog does not wait. Um, I'm going to be, make, I'm making a much larger book called Expose the Night. Uh, that is, because this book was four stories long. I wrote it early in my career. I am making a much larger uh, 26 chapter book. Uh, that's going to include these four stories plus about uh, 22 other chapters um, mm -hmm. about other larger cases. Um, and then I'm going to combine them all into one large book. Um, and as soon as I finish getting all of that together, I'm going to have that book published. Um, and so ex so this book, Ghost in the Coal Cellar, is going to become part of Expose the Night. So, Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, once again, thank you for coming on and go feed your dog. And uh I'll, I'll, I'll be in touch. <laughs> Great. In thank touch. you so much once again. Okay. Thank, thank you. you. Have a good one. Okay. That was fascinating. I'm always fascinated by hearing stuff like that because, like I said, you know, the cases uh, for, for, for demonic stuff are few and far between, but you do run into them occasionally. Okay. Tomorrow we'll be back here at noon Pacific. I'm going to be talking with James Martin about early. Uh, exploration of the americas and you know it's it's not what we think you know when, when like you in the united states when we think of people coming over here we think of christopher columbus and people like that well mm -mm, there's 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 other people that had come sooner through than that vikings you name it and i know we have an american stonehenge that they're, that that they're looking at to see how far that dates back as well so we're going to be talking to james martin about that so uh be sure to be back here tomorrow at noon Anyway, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We're equal opportunity here, and uh, we're just trying to get the word out about this show or the little show that could, right? You know, if you're watching it at home, and even this evening when you're having dinner, and you say, hey, yeah, there's a real cool show over here that, you know, that I listen to, please do that. Share, 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 share. And again, if you're watching from Facebook, you like what you saw today, please be sure to hit that follow button. Give me some thumbs up. Thank you for the thumbs up. I appreciate it. Um, Paranormal Real Estate. Thank you. And uh, same thing with YouTube and all that good stuff. All right. Well, I'm going to let you guys go. And uh, I have yard work to do today, so I'm going to let you guys go. And I will see you tomorrow at, 12, at uh, noon at Pacific. Have a great day.